From our WFUV studios in the Bronx, New York, it's the Pick and Pot. Drop us a voicemail at 347-903-WFUV. Now, here are your hosts, Kenny Ducey and Matt Rosenfeld. Uh, welcome into the Pick and Pod, Wednesday, yeah, November 5th, 2014. Kenny Ducey, Matt Rosenfeld, Kevin Kelly out today, much like Derek Rose. And uh, lots to talk about. We got Brett Polakoff on the way from NBCSports.com. Uh, mediocre game last night at, um, at MSG. I would say it was what, weird. I, what I expected, you know, the Wizards are a good team, and I don't think we should forget about that, but I wish the Knicks had done a little better at home, you know. It was weird basketball. I got to say that. How so? How was it good? Just How turnovers, and uh, I, it was. it's hard to explain. Garrett Temple going off, and uh, th- everything was just so strange to me, but we did see last night, as, as we'll get into with Brett, there was a lot of pressure uh, off the ball. Mm-hmm. A lot of ball denial, and that was kind of causing problems for the Knicks in the triangle, and Tom Thibodeau did the same thing game one, and Shane Larkin said after the game, we've seen this before, we know how to, to play against it, but we just didn't get it done. Now, my question to you is, do you think that they're going to figure out you know, how to play pressure, how to overcome it, and succeed before it's maybe too late? I think so. I mean, it's what, it's four games I in the season. I know it's four games in, but I'm, I don't know. This next team, you know, it's not easy to adjust to the triangle. You watch and film. I, I just before you. I'm just saying before you know it, you look like the Nets and you're nine and twenty-one. Now I don't know if that's going to happen. The Nets last year were nine and twenty-one, and before they turned it around. But I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying be weary because if you don't turn it around, you could find yourself in a hole real quick. I, you know, I'm. I was very impressed with Amon Shumpert last night. Six of eleven from the field was in double figures for a second straight game. Uh, man, that guy, if he plays like that all year, if the Knicks have a, another double-digit guy a night or, or close to that, I mean, that's scary. And he's a guy who's starting to just feel, it just seems like he's feeling more comfortable shooting the basketball. What year is it in the league for him off the top? I can't think, I think of it. Number four. I think four it's year number four. You could see him starting to figure it out. For, at first, you know, the hard defensive stopper, sick athleticism. But as he comes along, he improves his shot, and it's, it's good to see him adding things to his game as he gets older, that's something that, you know, you don't see a lot of players do. They just stick to their athleticism or stick to their shot. And if he can become a more overall player and then you get Calderon back, the Knicks have some offense all of a sudden that's not just Carmelo Anthony. Apparently, Shumpert just dropped a new uh, rap track to, oh, that's today, huge. too. So I got to listen to that. But, I no, see. I mean, he's a guy, um, you know, you look at just what he brings to the team. I mean, he's, he he's brings a lot of energy. He's 24 years old. And, um, I mean... You know, he always walks in the locker room. He's got he's singing music, and I mean, I, I'd I, argue I, he's I, probably I New to... Yorker's favorite Nick. That's not Carmelo. Yeah, well, especially because Tim Hardaway Jr. is not playing a lot right now, I and think... that's the that's weird for a lot of Knicks fans because Knicks fans fell in love with Timmy last year. I'm in love with Timmy. He's from he's, Michigan, big Michigan not, fan. But right. I've always been an Amon guy, and I think any Nick fan has always been an Amon guy because he defense. feels like he's and plays defense. He, he plays defense one, and he just feels like he's the Nick. I want to say ours, but it's not correct wording. But he feels like he belongs to the Knicks, and it's good to see him flourish as he continues to grow as a player. Yeah, I, but I mean, you know, it does make sense that Tim Hardaway is not playing a lot. I mean, of I, course, I, wanna, I, I mean, mean him and early, and I just don't think they're ready. Larkin and even is, you know, Larkin's, clearly the backup point guard. I don't really like Larkin out there, but I mean, the times being the times without Calderon in there, right. you have to play an inexperienced guy at that position. But I don't think Tim Hardaway is. Nearly the player that people, 
you know, made him out right. to be at the end of, of his not. rookie year. He's really a mess defensively. Shot selection's bad. Yeah, his shot selection's bad. It's not college anymore. You can't just do whatever you want. But if him and Early come around a little bit, they could be a really deep team. Yeah, I, I think that you look at the way that the Knicks are playing right now. There was something in the Knicks' locker room, and it's there was they get this motivational quote every day, and there, it was just sitting there, and I saw it. I took a peek at it, you know, after the game. It was sitting right there on Shump's chair, and said, "If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together." And That's I feel an like awesome that quote. Is a perfect definition of the Knicks' season. You know what I mean? If you wanna, if you wanna get to that championship, you wanna win a championship. You're gonna have to grow together. You're gonna have to play as a team. You're gonna have to buy into this system. You know, accept these principles that are putting that have been put forward. And I think that you know, if they slowly evolve as a team, and the fact that they have early success right now, I mean, they're two and two. They beat the Cavs, and they be, they beat good teams. That's yeah. what's very encouraging to me. You know, I didn't think they would pull it out of the end against the Hornets. You know, I didn't trust the Knicks, the new Knicks to come together this early in the season and pull out a big win at home. You know, you're going to look back, and that's going to be a win. You're going to, I don't want to say cherish, I feel like that's a little much, but those are games that last year the Knicks lost, and at the end of the season you were saying, oh, that was a close one we could have had. So it's good to have that win, and when they play lesser teams in the Eastern Conference and in the league in general, if they take care of business, I don't think the Knicks will have trouble getting into the playoffs. Let's move over to the Nets because we have to talk about them. And we you, do. And We're you obligated. Co- you covered those Nets. Yes, I do. Two and one. Brooke Lopez, he's back. He's, he's looking back. good. He's they shooting a, the J. They got a full superstar health stable right now, just as they imagined it. They might be older than a health they, stable. They're very. I, I imagine that like a like a, a stable. It's, and yeah, then, like, all bunch of healthy play. Like, that's, yeah. like, where the Suns play. Like, that's the health stable. You know? Exactly. <laughs> but, no, you know, Darren has looked unbelievable early in the season. He He's so aggressive, and it doesn't look like his ankles or anything has really gotten in his way because my biggest criticism with him has always just been, like, he doesn't seem like he wants to be there at all times, and he's your franchise player. I put air quotes up there. Franchise player. He needs to be the driving force. Lionel Holland said after the game on – Monday, he was the engine that drives everything. So when he's ready to go and he's playing his heart out on the court, it really shows amongst the whole team. And I like some of the like the small pieces, like Bogdanovich. I like him a Bogdanovich. lot. Toledovich, they have a lot of international players. And Jarrett Jack kind of fits in there a little bit. I, I think it's, I mean, we talked about before the season, this is going to be a team that competes for that 7-8 spot. And to me, it just seems like that type of team. I agree with you. And I think if I were to put favorites on, you know, who's going to make those lower-tier playoff spots, I would put the Nets pretty high. Again, health can change in a second. But Joe Johnson's been shooting the ball as Joe Johnson does. We just talked about Darren. And if Brooke gives you, say, I mean, even half the season, 42 ga- 41 games, and that would be a disappointment for the Nets, you got Plumlee down there, you got Kevin Garnett, who miraculously stayed healthy, you know, give or take a few games here or there. They're a team that has the experience and is good enough to definitely make the playoffs without being on the edge, you know, with a game or two left in this season. And it's got to go to Lionel Hollins, right? I, I love mean, him. The, the same thing with Derek Fisher and the Knicks. Like, the fact that he's got a team that's kind of, you know, they're not healthy. He's making a lot of a lot of different pieces fit together, much like Fisher has with young guys and old guys. Um, I, I know it, it does seem like he is maybe a guy who is not just a stopgap at this point because... 
You look I at the agree. Nets. You look at a lot of old guys. You know, you look at they're they're gonna go through a rebuild eventually once they get rid of all it's these going bad to contracts. Be an rebuild. Right. So you think that okay, well, this Hollins is there for a couple of years, whatever. They throw him away. But if he turns this season into something, even if it's a first-round exit to me and they win maybe one or two games, I, I mean, I, I honestly, you, you keep around for well, at least a couple of years. Well, he's going to be around for a little. He's going to be around right. for a couple of years. You're not going to fire him after The thing is, year. is he going to be around for two years or is he going to be around for six years, I well, think? Well, I think that's up to him. The dude is kind of older than you think, and I don't really know his aspirations as far as coaching goes, but he's exactly the kind of guy I like for this team. They got a bunch of veterans. I think they kind of need a hard-nosed coach that's kind of like, we have to play defense every night, every possession. You should be ashamed if you give up an easy basket. So I think he's the right guy for the job now. I think the that's a future Nets problem when they have to rebuild who they want at the helm. But for right now, Lionel Hollins is the man for me, and I'm a big fan of where, the direction he's got the team going early. Final thoughts before we get to our guest on uh, the Nets? I guess my final thoughts would just be taking care of business in the games you can because, like, the Thunder game, you know, you always get nervous as the Nets, even though that team's terrible. You get nervous you're going to drop those games, and you can't drop those games because the bottom of the East is going to be extremely competitive, and just as we said with the Knicks, you need those games that you can get because every game's going to count. The Thunder, by the way, will be the base guy needs to – No, he needs to chill out. Stop, man. Because that we team, love you, but man, that team is terrible. They're already dead without Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. It was, and now no Perry Jones, no Perry Jones. It's just Stephen Adams and Serge Ibaka. Jeremy Lamb can't forget him. Oh, UConn. Let me, Reggie Jackson, you know, coming back from injury Monday night showed a little bit of life. But when it's you know you see him chucking up, I think he had twenty eight points, and he's the main. That's guy. That's not the guy you, you want just, taking shots. You just SMH. You shake your head at it, and oh. you're just like, come on, Thunder. We need F- you for the league. MH. Yeah. We'll Not see. Good. And then the Lakers, too, last night. That was the other big story. Well, the Lakers, I think everybody knew that it's going to be ugly this year and it's going to be a long season. Well, we, have, we haven't potted since the Randall thing. That was Well, Randall's out, but I honestly didn't even think he would make such a big difference. It was going to be doom and gloom for the Lakers all season long, but when you're watching it, it's a lot harder to take see that purple and gold be as bad as they are. Yeah, but I mean, just I, I, I don't know. I just thought at least there was something to look forward to. Now no, there's nothing. There's, there's not. I, lo- I love watching Kobe. There's not. Let's welcome in Brett Polikoff at B- Brett EP on Twitter of NBCSports.com. He was at the Knicks game last night. Lives around the area. Brett, what's what's going on, man? What's going on, guys? How are you? Doing well, doing well here in the Bronx. And uh, the Knicks last night in Manhattan didn't do so well. Uh, they fall to the Wizards, and Carmelo and Anthony, I want to start here, had some interesting stuff to say after the game about home court, how uh, they were having maybe a little more fun on the road, he was joking about it, and you know, mainly, uh, maybe they were a little pressured at home. Uh, do, do you feel like they feel a little pressure from that home crowd, or, or is this just kind of an anomaly here? Yeah, I, I don't really see I, what he's talking about. Obviously, he's on the team, and he's around the guys, so he knows that there's a different vibe when they go on the road, and if they feel more relaxed, but I mean, when you look at that roster, I mean, those are guys that have been in New York. I mean, Iman Shumpert's in the starting lineup. He's been there a few years. Carmelo's been there. Uh, Mari Stoudemire's been in and out of the starting lineup. He's been there. J.R. Smith has been there. So, you know, these are guys that are used to playing in Madison Square Garden. So I'm not sure, you know, where he's seeing that pressure coming from. Brett, the Knicks off to a very inconsistent start. You know, two wins, one great one over the uh, the Cavs, and another good one over a playoff team we see in the Hornets probably. Would you think this inconsistency is going to continue? Do you think they'll 
you know, find their groove? How, when do you think they'll finally, you know, figure it out and start playing a little more consistently? Well, guys, I think their biggest problem is obviously on the offensive end of the floor. You know, much has been made about how they're implementing a new system in the triangle offense. And, you know, you mentioned the two wins, but in the two losses, we've seen, you know, Chicago uh, and then, you know, their opponent last night both pressure them heavily on the perimeter, cut off passing lanes, you know, not allow any space to even initiate the offense. And, you know, as, as Melo said last night after the game, you know, teams are going to do that every time now until they find a way to counteract it. And, you know, the Knicks are really going to have to, you know, stick with the offense in order for it to start coming around. You know, Derek Fisher talked about it last night, how you know, it's easy for guys to start, you know, going into other things when the offense isn't working. That's just the nature of a basketball player. But they're going to have to really force themselves to stick with the offense, you know, practice those counters for when that pressure continues to keep coming. But, I mean, is it least encouraging that they're doing all this without Jose Calderon and then Andrea Bargnani, a guy who maybe it's not, you know, he's not going to make a big impact, but, I mean, he is a guy that that Phil Jackson and Derek Fisher kind of believe in a little bit. Yeah, you know, Bargnani is going to get his chance to play. I don't know how much he's going to be able to help. You know, know, the one thing the Knicks have been doing is shooting a lot of mid-range jumpers, and Bargnani can... You know, traditionally, he sort of hits those at a decent percentage. Uh, we'd obviously like to see the Knicks stop shooting those shots because they're inefficient. Uh, but they rank in the top five in shots in the mid-range uh, so far this season, you know, and throughout the entire league. So that's not good. You know, the addition of Calderon should help a little bit. You know, Shane Larkin isn't that experienced. Uh, Calderon should help in getting that offense initiated. He's a very capable point guard, good at, good at running things. And setting things up, you know, we're just we'll just have to see how that stuff plays out. But you know, the most important thing for the Knicks is going to be, you know, finding a way to be consistent in getting into the offense and making those initial cuts and passes when the defense is applying that, you know, really tough perimeter pressure. All right, Brett, I'm going to jump over the river to the Brooklyn side of things. And I was at the Nets game when they beat the Thunder. They smashed them just as they should have. The Thunder, obviously, a little listless without uh, KD and Russ. But the healthy Nets with Brooke, with Darren playing well, with Joe, you know, the whole the whole core there, how good do you think the team could be? I think the Nets could be a playoff team in the East, you know, certainly. Uh, I still see them as sort of bottom tier, maybe six, seven, eight seed. Uh, you know, obviously everybody's going to have to stay healthy. What we've seen from Darren Williams so far this season indicates that he is healthy. He's looked fantastic, you know, in the early going, getting Brooke Lopez back. Once again, health's a huge concern with that guy, you know, historically as it's been with his with his feet problems. But, um, you know, Brooke Lopez can be a force inside, really gives the team a different look than we saw for them last season with Paul Pierce there and Joe Johnson doing a lot of the scoring from the perimeter. And I really like Lionel Holland as a head coach. I believe in him. I think, you know, he has a substantial, you know, track record of experience, did a great job with those Grizzlies teams, you know, in recent years. And, uh, you know, I like the Nets' chances. You know, health is going to be their biggest concern, but they just have so many weapons offensively if they can all stay healthy that, you know, they're going to give teams problem and problems, you know, uh, throughout the Eastern Conference. You know, the, the, the health of Brook has brought up an interesting, an interesting problem for Lionel Hollins and the Nets because you got Mason Plumlee, who has really came out of his shell this summer. You know, he made Team USA. That was a big deal. And he seems to be a budding, I don't want to say star because I think that's a little heavy, but let's say star for this situation. How do you think that the two big men will coexist and how will Lionel Hollins use them going forward? Yeah, that's going to be definitely very interesting. You know, I, I, I agree with you. You know, Plumlee definitely has uh, come into his own. He had, a, he had a sort of a breakout year last season. 
um, you know, in the starting lineup when Brooke Lopez was sidelined. Uh, it's nice to have that depth, though. You know, the, the, the Nets didn't have a lot of frontline depth last season, so it's nice to have that. Uh, you don't have to play Kevin Garnett a ton of minutes. Uh, which is nice. You could save him for the for the bulk of the season. I don't think we're going to see KG, you know, resting or sitting out games the way he did last year. Lionel Holland seemed pretty opposed to that, at least during the preseason. So if Garnett's healthy enough, he's going to play, but he doesn't have to play as many minutes, which which is going to be nice. And uh, you know, Plumley provides them a nice option. And you know, who knows? Maybe Plumley will earn you know additional minutes as the season progresses. And the Nets, of course, play Andrew Wiggins in the Timberwolves tonight. And uh, you know, Brett. Andrew Wiggins' old team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, not looking too hot right now. We talked about maybe that it was a big win for the Knicks over the Cavaliers, but now the way they've been playing uh, last night, their big three, so to speak, just 25% from the field. Uh, I, I mean, are, when are they going to figure it out? You know, We knew there would be some chemistry issues early on, and I, I'm sure they're not going to shoot 25% every night, but... I mean, is this going to kind of be an ebb and flow for a little bit this year? And maybe, maybe they're not the favorite in the East. Well, you know, before the season started, I kind of pegged Chicago as a favorite in the East. I just like their continuity. I liked how hard those guys play under Tom Thibodeau. And I figured, you know, you get a healthy Derrick Rose for the bulk of the season, which, you know, certainly looks like uh, he will be, even though he's, you know, struggling with some ankle issues. They appear to be minor right now. Uh, you know, I definitely like what the Bulls have from a continuity standpoint. When you look at this Cavaliers team, it's not the same thing as when LeBron James went to the Miami Heat. That, he was teaming up with veteran guys. Uh, you know, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade had won a championship already in Miami. Uh, you know, that's, those are guys that kind of knew how to win already, knew how to sort of sacrifice their games to mesh together. That still took, took some time. Miami was just 8-7 and seven through their first 15 games in LeBron's first season with the Heat. We're going to see maybe even a steeper learning curve here in Cleveland because of the youth on the roster. We saw, you know, LeBron kind of step back last night. He only scored two points through the game's final three quarters, which is something we hadn't seen him do since his, you know, the first month of his rookie season. He wanted to see what his other guys would do, you know, if he sort of took a step back, and, and we saw it, was, it wasn't pretty. It was rough. Uh, I don't expect him to do that very many more games moving forward. And, you know, afterwards he kind of blamed – you know, the recent losing seasons in Cleveland, you know, as a reason why, you know, the team is struggling to this point. And when he's talking about that, he's talking about guys like Kyrie Irving and Deion Waiters who don't know how to win yet, you know, in this league consistently at a high level. So uh, I think the learning curve will be steep, but once the pieces come together, this Cavaliers team should be, you know, essentially unstoppable from an offensive standpoint. And they're, they're going to give people tons of problems, uh, especially, I think, in the second half of the season. Brett, you mentioned the comments LeBron made last night, and that's where I wanted to go next. He came off a little brash, and I'm as big a team LeBron guy as you can find, but I didn't really like the way he said that I need to teach this team how to win and I need to implement all these styles. What did you think of the statements, and do you think it was an attitude problem, or what was the deal with that? Well, I think, first of all, you know, nobody's going to be happy after, you know, getting blown out by 20 points. And like you said, shooting the team shot such a low percentage, you know, it's basically a dismal performance. You know, so, you know, guys' moods are going to be affected, you know, in that situation. But, you know, when, when you look at those comments, I don't have a problem with it. You know, LeBron is widely recognized as the game's best player. He's won championships. He's won MVP awards. And like we just talked about, He's playing with guys who haven't won anything that are that are young in the first two, three, four years of their career. So he needs to step up and take that leadership role. I'm sure, you know, behind the scenes, it's a little bit more more smooth sailing, a little bit calmer than the comments that came out. 
but I think it'll be well received. You know, it's early on there. You know, guys want to follow LeBron, you know, on that path to a championship. And I think, you know, as long as those comments don't become like a nightly occurrence, I think, you know, the rest of his teammates are going to take those in stride. Brent, I want to move over to the Western Conference here for a sec because the Oklahoma City Thunder, they are just decimated with injuries right now. Perry Jones goes down last night, and then uh, even Reggie Jackson was limping a little bit. Uh, I, I mean, Zach had a tweet uh, about a week ago, and, and he was kind of uh, you know, showing, look, if the Thunder want to get to 50, 60 wins, I mean, they, they really can't do it. If they start out 5-15, and 15, it's going to be very tough for them to make the playoffs this year I mean is this kind of a real concern right now that the Thunder might make uh, might not make the playoffs or at the very least maybe they're a seven and eight seed seven or eight seed because it's going to be tough to get there no I agree with that 100 percent they are going to struggle to make the playoffs you look at the way the Western Conference shook out last season uh the eight seed uh won 49 games the Phoenix Suns finished with 48 games and they found themselves a game out of the playoffs so you know that's absolutely a valid concern with all these injuries depending on when Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook come back. And, guys, let's remember, when they come back, we can't expect them to be, you know, Kevin Durant's not going to lead the league in scoring from day one. Uh, Russell Westbrook isn't going to be his high-flying athletic self the moment he steps back on the floor. These guys need time to reacclimate, you know, get sort of back in the groove with their teammates. So the wins might not even come, you know, immediately once they get back. So uh, we're probably looking at Oklahoma City having to go on some sort of a monster tear in the second half of the season just to make the playoffs. And then if they do, you know, looking at a first-round matchup against one of the top two or three teams in the conference, you know, really doesn't put well for their, their chances at a title this season. Sticking to that part of the country, the Houston Rockets are probably the biggest surprise thus far. You know, everyone thought they might struggle with the loss of Chandler Parsons, but Trevor Reza comes in, takes his place very well, and they're off to a very hot start. I guess my question to you, Brett, is do you think it's sustainable? Are the Rockets going to be a top three, maybe even top two team in the Western Conference come April? Well, I think when you look at what they're doing on the offensive end of the floor, you know, that's probably, that probably is sustainable. You know, now is Ariza going to continue playing at this high level? I think he's beating the league in made three pointers so far this season. But, you know, again, the way the Rockets play, they play, they play the percentages. So they don't take a lot of mid range shots. They take hardly any. All their points come either in the paint or from behind the three point line or from the free throw line. And, you know, James Harden, is, is getting to the free throw line at even more of an obscene level than he has in recent seasons. The guys, you know, you look at his made shots versus made free throws, and the free throws are just by far, you know, more. He just has a knack for drawing those fouls and getting to the line. So, uh, you know, what's, what's also been impressive is Houston on the defensive end of the floor. I think they're second overall in the league right now behind the Warriors in point differential, which basically means through the first five games of the season, they're just blowing teams out. You know, they're winning by an average of 14-plus points a game. So, uh, you know, whether or not it's sustainable, you know, we'll have to see. But so far in the early going, the Rockets look, you know, really tough and definitely, I would say, better than expected. All right, Brett, I have one more question for you before we get out of here. If you give the Sixers a seven-point advantage just to start, a seven-point handicap, do you take the Sixers or the Lakers in a head-to-head matchup? No, I'll take the, I'll take the Lakers. Really? Even though, think, even though they look so— The Lakers are bad. They look so bad. Here's here's the thing with the Lakers. Okay, uh, they're going to struggle. Uh, we just put, posted something on our site today that, that you know they might not win a game before Thanksgiving. If you look at their schedule, I mean they, their schedule's brutal. And on the defensive end of the floor, you know obviously early in the season we're dealing with really small sample sizes, but 
you know, they're last in defensive efficiency, points allowed per 100 possessions, and it's not close. The next closest team is Utah, like six or seven points better than the Lakers. So the defensive end of the floor is a concern. If you've watched LA the last couple games, you know, they're finding their way offensively. Now, you know, Kobe jacked, what, 37 shots last night. Everybody's giving them a hard time for that. But you look at the rest of that roster, and it's it's fairly ridiculous the way it's constructed. You're like, who else do you want taking those shots? Now, some of them are forced. You'd like to see the ball swing to the open man. But in a tight game, you know, I'd rather see Kobe taking those shots than, than somebody else that, you know, maybe isn't isn't as trusted. So, you know, your hypothetical question, I'll take the Lakers because of the offense that they're capable of putting together. The Sixers are sort of challenged in that area. They really only have, you know, two, three guys that can put up points on a regular basis. Yeah, it was. it's sad to be watching these Lakers, especially with, with Kobe Bryant late in his career. They're 0-5 right now. But Brett Polakoff, 1-0 uh, on the pick and pod. Appreciate you coming on <laughs> at Brett EP. Uh, on Twitter, it's for NBCSports.com. Go check him out there. Brett, thanks so much, and we'll, uh, we'll see you around. Thanks, guys. Great stuff from Brett. And uh, before we get out of here, uh, who you going down there? The, Kevin Kelly. Kevin. At, that's why he's not here. He's, he's going, going down, down to Nets, Nets and Timberwolves. Who we got now? I got the Nets. I mean, this is a game that we talked about earlier. You got to win those games. The Timberwolves are not a good team. They're coming into your building. Kevin Garnett talks about it all the time. Got to defend home court. Got to defend home court tonight. Take your team to three and one, two and zero oh at home. Go from there. All right, we'll hold off on NBA picks because Kev is not here. Maybe maybe we'll post some on the uh, episode page, but. Uh, tweet us at Kenny Ducey at Matt underscore Rosenfeld. Finally adopted the underscore. Thank you. That, you know, it makes everything it so easy. Uh, at WFUV Sports, pick and pod every Wednesday. We'll see you next week.